Good morning. When they said something about anniversaries, my mind went to Archie Leindecker this morning. Dale said, what, 39? I don't know what James's is. It's got to be pushing 50. I'm not sure where it's at. 47. And I remember the other morning in one of Archie's posts, he wrote 29. Way, way, way too many, too, yeah, too few, way too few. Uh, I don't know if we have anybody here that's got 29 in right yeah or not. Should have somebody gets close, I would think. Huh? Oh. Some of you might know uh, the situation. We were friends with his mom and dad in Ohio, and they went to Canada, part of Aquachink, and I think Josh was under them, and Deborah was under them at Aquachink. He was the leader of Aquachink. And uh, his wife, Iris, uh, has had cancer, and uh, the other morning it took her life. She went home to be with the Lord. Uh, and Archie said, I asked God, why? And God said, when she was still living, God said, you're standing on holy ground as he watched her go away. And he said, it, it changed everything in my perspective when God said, you're standing on holy ground. So she's gone. Uh, there's a funeral in Red Lake tomorrow. And then there's another one in Plain City next Saturday. So, uh, yeah, that's what that's all about. Uh, has nothing to do with my sermon. Uh, might be easier just to quit and go home now and be done with it. Uh, what I want to talk about this morning, I was challenged several, probably months ago already, about the benedictions that are in the Bible. What are the benedictions? And who pronounced these benedictions and what is in a benediction we know that we start services and they call it an invocation and that is basically saying we want you to bless what's getting ready to happen it's basically all it says and a benediction has a lot more to it, but it's basically saying, thank you for what happened. But there's an awful lot of other things that are included in a benediction. Uh, we often uh, end a prayer. And I thought of Dave Dunham in this, when I was working on this. Do you know how he ends most of his Sunday morning prayers? Somebody give me a word. That's right. The only savior of mankind. And Josh has been using quite a bit the Lord's Prayer to end his. Uh, do you know what mine is? I'll let you think about that one. Maybe you'll figure it out when we have a closing prayer. 
Okay? Yes. <laughs> Thank you for loving us. In all of the things that happen in life, thank you for loving us. Benedictions in the Bible are often used as a blessing. Uh, they are also used as instructions. They are also used as encouragement. They're also used for guidance. I can remember when I was growing up, we had a pastor at United Bethel. And I don't know if it was true or not, but for us kids, we thought it was. His prayer, he would end his sermons. And then when they get him, when he'd come back up to for his closing prayer, we always accused him of finishing his sermon. Uh, I don't think it was quite that way, but for youngsters sitting in a pew, and this guy preaching for close to an hour, which you guys are lucky we don't preach that long. Uh, preaching for almost an hour and then ending it with a 15-minute prayer. And usually it was like almost a continuation of his sermon until he got to the end of his prayer. So, uh, you know, you can pick and choose. I would like you this morning and sometime along the way to find a benediction that you would claim as yours. A benediction that fits where you're at. It may change over the years. It may not be the same today as it will be in 10 years. And it may be. Uh, I have a whole list of benedictions marked down. Actually, the first one that is actually given was God. And he gave this one to Moses through Aaron. We all have, have heard it. Uh, we've all, most of us have probably memorized it. But it's Numbers chapter 6, verses 24, 5, and 6. And the verse ahead of it says, Speak to Aaron and the son, saying, Thus shall ye bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them. And then this is the blessing that God gives. This is not a blessing that Moses gives. This is a blessing that God gives. He says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. One of the things I noticed about a lot of the blessings or the benedictions in scripture and especially when you get into the New Testament Paul and in, in almost all of his somewhere has something in it about the peace of God or the God of peace one or the other he doesn't in everyone but he has it in a lot of them what I want to do is uh, We're going to read the one in, in Hebrews uh, chapter 13. And when you read this one, I know they say Paul did not write the book of Hebrews. But whoever wrote this book of Hebrews was not quite attached to the hip of Paul. 
because he very, very, very much writes in the style of Paul. And he very much uses the same phrasing in a lot of places. So whoever this person was, some think it might have been Aquila, some think it might have been Apollos, uh, and there's a, I think I saw about eight or ten of people that have the possibility of being this. The only one I really see that was really closely connected was Silas. Now granted, Paul spent time with Aquila and Priscilla. But Silas did a missionary journey with him. And so he's another one that was named as a possible, but there's no name given. So you can do all the speculating you want. You're not going to figure out who this guy is until you get to heaven. And when you get to heaven, then you can ask around as to who wrote the book of Hebrews. And we may be all in for a surprise. In fact, one commentator said he would be a bit surprised that Priscilla wrote it. And I thought, okay, now that's a different hook on it. But whoever wrote it wrote very much in the style of Paul. So it was somebody that I suspect was very much acquainted with him, very much involved with him. This benediction has a lot of stuff in the benediction. Now may the God of peace, this is chapter 13, verses 20 to 21. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. That's the one that I went to after studying this for a while. But one of them, if we go to the Old Testament, Psalms 23, we don't look at that as a benediction. We look at that as a psalm of comfort. But in, in some of these benedictions, we talk about the good shepherd, this one here talks about the great shepherd. In, P, in one of Peter's, he talks about the chief shepherd. And so you have Jesus saying the good. The Hebrew writer says the great. And Peter says the chief. If you go to the Old Testament in Psalms, those three show up in Psalms 22, 23, and 24. 23, 22 is what we would call the suffering savior. He's the shepherd who walks the path in the past. 23 is the present savior. He is the one, the good shepherd, that takes care of us every day. And then 24 is the great or the chief shepherd. He's the one that's coming back to get us. And so those three go right together in harmony. And 23 is the one that David acknowledged who God is, who his shepherd is, and who and his sinfulness because of his need for a shepherd. He acknowledges that, and then at the end of that, he makes a commitment. You have basically the same thing in Psalms 121. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. 
My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And then from there down, you have the commitment that the psalmist made to the Lord in that prayer. We're going to go to Romans. We're going to go through some of these. I, I would love to stand. I would love to read every last one of them to you. But I think you might want to eat lunch before then. Uh, Romans 11. Well, let's go to Romans 8. The last two verses, of, or three verses of that chapter, he has talked about being killed all the day long, we're regarded as sheep for the slaughter, and then he says in verse 37, leave the first word out, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else, in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's a marvelous benediction. Nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. Doesn't matter how hard you try, it won't get, it won't happen. You will not get separated from the love of God. Let's go to chapter 11. Verses 33 to 36. Oh, the depth of the, of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor or who hath given him a gift that he may be repaid? For from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Another, song, another, uh, another benediction that talks about the greatness of God. Who has been his counselor? Who has, been his, who has given him a gift to repay him for anything? We can't even begin to do that. We have no way to repay God for what he has done. There are a number in here, uh, and I'm not going to read those, but there's a number of them that have to do with unity. First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13, 11 to 14 talks about unity. Uh, Colossians 3, 15 to 17 talks about unity. 1 Thessalonians 3, 11 to 13 talks about love for each other. Well, you can't very well have love for each other if you're not unified. If you're, if you're going to fight, you're not going to be unified, and so you can't love each other too well. At least uh, it doesn't appear that way. But those are some that have the, the idea of being together. Unity in the, in the spirit, unity in the church, unity in the body, unity of fellowship. Those are the, uh, some of those. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3. And this is God's provision. And this one is in my Bible that my children gave to me with different color markings of their favorite verses. And this one is marked. And it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work in us, 
to be to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. He can do beyond anything we ask or think. It's not even within our comprehension. Uh, that one's in Ephesians. Uh, this one here is a personal one of mine. It was given to me on May 5th, 1991 by James Kurtz. That was the night I was licensed. And he handed this piece of, he put it in the, in the book. And when I got the book, I opened it up. And this one was in the book. And it has been there in my mind when things get tough, especially when church things get tough. It has been there. It is Ephesians 5, 23 to 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then this phrase was what was in that, on that paper, and it said, He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. During the time that the church was going through struggles and John Ivan and Hugh left and Dad passed away, that was on my mind all the time because I did not feel called to do what I was called to do at that time. And I came to that verse many a, many a time because it said, faithful is he. And I had to believe it, whether I felt it or not. And all I can say is, God is faithful. Believe it. It may not look right. It may not feel right. It may not seem right. But God is faithful. When I thought about Archie the other day and I had to think you know he has called you to walk this path now as a widower but God is faithful for what he has called you to do and I don't care what your gift is if you're going to go sit on it you're not going to have any blessings and if you think your gift is not important you're out of your mind because God has a place for you. And in that place, even when you feel like you're not capable of doing it, God still says, I will surely do it. I will make sure it happens. It's not something that you're on your own. There's a few others down through here. Uh, and I'm not going to go to all of them, uh, but a number of them talk about being mature, growing in the grace of God, 
Uh, God's comfort. Peter talks about the chief shepherd. Second Peter talks about being mature, the growing, and Revelation and Jude, uh, and I've used that one a few times here, and I will I will probably read that one uh, here before long. And in Revelation chapter one, verse five and six, the honoring of our Lord Jesus. What John saw, and he fell down and worshipped, and he honored. In chapter 5, 12 and 13, the lamb is worthy. And in chapter 22, he says, I will return. I'm going to read the Jude one here, and then we'll go back to the uh, Hebrews one. Jude 24, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. That one there is one of putting ourselves humbly in the hands of Jesus and letting him say I will present you faultless before God it's an incredible verse it's an incredible benediction that we as humans we as man in our sinful ways that Jesus is working to present us faultless before God. It's just, this, this version says blameless, the King James says faultless, because I memorized it in the King James, so I know it better than that than I do in this one. So, real quick, I was going to be done by now. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, 20 and 21. He starts out with uh, the God of peace, and he gives you, he gives you four things in, in the first verse. He gives you peace, power, provision, and an everlasting covenant. In, in that first verse, he gives you those four things. The peace of God, and the peace of God is basically appreciating the quietness of body, soul, and spirit by faith. That's by faith. It's not by my own doings. It's by faith I believe that. The second one is power, and that's the resurrection. He says, uh, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. And in uh, Romans 6, we use that verse at baptism. Uh, I should read it. I can't quite quote it. Maybe some of you, somebody can for me, but it has to do with uh, I give you my hand, arise, as the, as the Father has raised you from the, as the Father has raised Jesus from the dead, so I raise you into newness of life. That's not the, the exact quote, but that's the idea of it. 
the power that God used to raise Jesus is the same power that's available to us. He raised him and he's going to raise us. And it says at the end of that, the great shepherd of the sheep. He's the one who's going to be before us. The provision, and that's the Holy Spirit, uh, through the blood of the eternal covenant, we have that as forgiveness. And that covenant is eternal. It's, uh, if you go back into Hebrews chapter 8, he talks about that covenant. That covenant, the new covenant that's available in chapter 8. In chapter 10, he talks about the sacrifice of that covenant. And now here he talks about an everlasting covenant. And it's everlasting because it was put in place before this world began. In one of my other messages, I said something about the plan of salvation was put in place and God needed a place for it to work. And so he made earth. Because he didn't have a place out there in outer space somewhere for it at that point. So he made earth. Made creation. So he had a place for the plan of salvation to work. And that plan started before the creation of the world. And so it's an everlasting covenant. It has always been and it will always be. And the biggest benefit we get from it is eternal life. It's a guarantee you will get eternal life if you are obedient to the word of God. And so we have an everlasting covenant. The last three uh, are the work of the Holy Spirit. To equip. I lost one of them here. To work, to, to equip, that's the one, I'm missing one. Oh, no, there it is. To equip uh, and, and to work and to suffer are the ways that we are equipped. He says, equip you with everything good that you may do his will. Equip. I looked up, and I'm not a Greek scholar by any stretch of the imagination. The word is K-A-T-A-R, and then it has about six more letters behind it. And it's used throughout scripture. And it basically means, uh, like for a doctor, to set a bone. And in this case, for a fisherman, to go mend your net. And that's what Jesus called. When he called the fishermen, what were they doing? They were mending their nets. Uh, for a sailor, it's making sure your ship is supplied and ready to go. And you can talk, you can read about Paul's experiences of being shipwrecked. And for soldiers, it's ready for battle. It's that kind of a word. It means to put it together, to equip. And we have three things here for that. We have the word, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. For everything is given for our uh, edification. You can read the rest of it. The second one is, our, is pray. Pray for each other. And that's in 1 Thessalonians 3.10. The third one is, and we're going to do that after lunch. 
fellowship. And that's Ephesians 4. And then the last one is individual, and that's Galatians 1, where he says, if a brother sins, go to him one-on-one. That's the way we equip the church. And then we have suffering. Jesus Christ learned obedience by the things he suffered. As bad as we hate that word. I mean literally as bad as we hate that word. That's what it takes to become perfect in Christ. One of my Bible says here equip. I think the King James version says to perfect. I think Ephesians talks about uh, in in I think it's his new English standard or whatever, talks about equipping where in the King James it says perfecting. And it's all for the work of the, of the church. It's for God's sake. It's not for us. He is equipping us to mature us to do his work, his way, to create his glory and his kingdom. And that's what he's asked us to do. So... I challenge you. You can go into Google and type out biblical benedictions and you'll get a list of up to 30 of them. Uh, Some lists are as short as eight. Some lists are, I think 30 was the most I saw. Uh, But find one that fits you. One that you can go back to and say, okay, God, this is mine. This is the one that's mine. Like the one I did with Ephesians 5, that one is mine. I'll share it with anybody that wants it because it works. But find one that fits you. And like I said, it may be right today, but it may not be the same one you want in five years. It may be a different one as your life situation changes because we're all getting older. And one thing is certain, death doesn't care how old you are. He'll take you whenever. And I just want to challenge us to know the trust the love, the power, the provisions that God has made for us in his word and in some of these benedictions, those are so evident, so profound. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for these benedictions. Some are short, some are long, but they all speak to a need or a want of the human heart. And I thank you, Lord, for the way they fill in the holes for us, how they challenge us. And most of all, that you are the provider and the lover of our souls. Thank you again for loving us in Jesus' name.